Welcome to the Fraudian Slip, the Identity Theft Resource Center's podcast where we talk about all things identity compromise, crime, and fraud that impact people and businesses. I'm James Lee, the COO of the ITRC, and I want you to do me a favor. Close your eyes. No peeking. Now, what's the first image that comes to mind when I say biometrics? Do you think of Captain Kirk using a retina scanner in Star Trek? Or maybe Benji Dunn walking past a gate scanner in Mission Impossible. Maybe you thought of the NCIS team waiting for a computer search of photos to match with an unknown suspect or victim. Perhaps you even thought of opening your phone with a fingerprint or face. To be sure, all of these versions of biometrics, in real life or Hollywood, inform how we view this technology. But not all tech and not all tech uses are created equal. There are legitimate concerns about certain uses of biometrics, and there are uses that are beneficial. The trick is to know which is which. In the first of two episodes of the Fraudian Slip on biometrics, we're going to try to sort the facts from science fiction. Joining us is Stephen Smith from Intellectual Technology, Inc., also known as ITI. Steve is the Senior Vice President of ITI, a company that provides software to motor vehicle agencies to increase speed, visibility, and security of transactions. And as always, we're joined by the ITRC's very own CEO, Eva Velasquez. Welcome, Eva. Pleasure to be here, James, as always. And welcome to you, Steve. Thank you, James. It's great to be here and appreciate the opportunity. Well, this is certainly a hot topic. It elicits a lot of different opinions and emotions. Let's level the playing field and start with just what exactly it is we're talking about. What are biometrics? Help us understand. Well, I think the simplest way to think about biometrics is that it is something that you are. You think about your fingerprint, iris, face, palm, I mean, really the list can go on. Uh, But these are physical, biological characteristics uh, that that are you. And I think you could also extend this, you know, to behavioral patterns. You think about the keystroke with typing, uh, the, the gate in your walk, uh, and, and whether this is a physical or behavioral characteristics, I think what, when we're thinking about biometrics, it's about, you know, is there uniqueness and do we have the ability to measure that unique characteristic? And when you have those things, you can think about applying these in different ways. And I think oftentimes we just, we just don't even think about it, but it's pretty amazing in how we use biometrics today. Um, some examples, we were, you're looking at your smartphone and able to unlock it, uh, opening up a bank uh, in, in terms of opening up a financial account for the first time, or even accessing a government benefit or service and being able to verify who you claim to be. I mean, the concept in some ways is, is rather simple, but when we think about the implementation, I think mean, that's where we get into the real uh, complexity of how do we do this in a, in a meaningful way? Well, and I'll just add on to that for the, for the folks who aren't really savvy about this. Where I see the confusion, people, uh, they, they look at biometrics as being really super high tech. It's an iris scan. You know, it's just something that's not necessarily that you encounter in everyday life. And then I have to remind folks, hey, that photograph, that picture of you, that's technically a biometric. A picture of your face is a biometric. And I, I think that's important to let people know it really runs the gamut from the what sounds like it's out of a science fiction movie to uh, something as simple as that picture on your driver's license or state ID. Well, that kind of leads me into the next question. 
which was is uh, what's the big deal about biometrics? You know, we we have historically identified people or you know you proved you are who you say you are because of something you have. And Steve just said biometrics is really about proving those same things, proving you are who you claim to be uh, because of something you are. Uh, yeah, there's, there's some physical or behavioral characteristic. Why is that a big deal that gets people all worked up, Eva? I think it's because it feels so deeply personal. And, and look, there's been a big shift uh, in the last decade. I, I remember talking about things like um, the ability for uh, software to measure the, the tension with which you, you know, press on a keyboard or on your phone, the angle at which you hold your phone, your, your fingerprints. And people were just like, you can have my fingerprints when you pry them from my cold, dead hand. They were like, no, 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 this is too invasive. And then Apple came along and normalized the use of uh, fingerprints and your face to unlock your phone. And people went, ah, this is not so bad. So there's been a shift. And when I talk to folks, uh, really, a lot of it is about conflating facial recognition and all the, the various use cases. And so we tend to you get media coverage on all the, the, the bad outcomes, the terrible risks that can occur with improper attribution, with misidentifying somebody as, you know, let's say the perpetrator of a crime. And that is deeply terrible. Uh, but people don't think as broadly about the use of biometrics and the, and the benefits. So when I explain to them, hey, we are just going to use the, the picture on your driver's license photo, along with a selfie of you to, to, so you can confirm that you are you. And then they go, oh, that's not so bad. So I think it's just a lot of confusion and fear about it. It's, it is you, it's unchangeable. It's, it's a, you know, it's not just an identity credential, it's a physical trait. And then also the, the concern about what, how could this be misused and what risks does it create for me? I, I think that's where it comes from. Steve, now, Eva just used facial recognition. Is is a part of the, the crux of this problem that we're confusing facial recognition with facial verification, that that's your face. It's not a face, it's your face. Is that part of it? And is that is that concern justified? And then I'm going to do a follow-up to that, which is, are there concerns, other concerns that are justified? So let's start with that, the difference between verification and recognition. Oh, I, I think, and Eva, uh, I think, called this out uh, very well. And I think at times we're, we are conflating uh, the issues and the concerns and the use of bio, biometrics. And when we think about the applications and the uses, um, I would agree with the folks that are calling for a need to focus the discussion around the risk and impact uh, in a relative sense. And we, if you think about the you know, use cases where we talk about the actual application of biometrics when it's more around the use in, in facial recognition, and I think in many ways these are in the, those law enforcement uh, type, type use cases and those one-to-many type matches, uh, the risk is very different. Uh, than, say, other use cases where, as Eva pointed out, the ability to take a selfie of yourself and compare that against a photo on 
record that say maybe agency has to to verify that you are who you claim to be. And I think when we think about the this kind of risk and, and impact in, in a relative sense, it's helpful uh, to focus on those details to help distinguish uh, between the uses and the applications. And I would say when we are taking a photo in a criminal investigation and when something goes wrong, we match it against the wrong person, the resulting impact is that there is a wrongful arrest. Well, that is a real concern and problem. Um, and I would say in a relative sense, that is very different from say, when we're using biometrics and someone is taking a selfie and say, it doesn't match correctly, but they're trying to get access to say their bank account or say they're getting access to a government benefit or service. Certainly there is an impact, but very different in, in terms of the application and use. And, and then I, I think more broadly to your question on like, are there concerns that are justified? And I think this ties back to a lot of work that we do here at ITI. You know, we work in government servicing and I think a lot of the challenges and complexity really come into the implementation and uh, things around the kind of the, the, the specific context and use of biometrics, because there are just so many factors that go into play that companies, government agencies need to take into consideration when they think about the implementation. Uh, maturity of the technology, privacy, security risks, environmental factors that might have an impact on the quality of the capture, say, in, in the case of facial recognition or facial verification. Um, and in our, our context, I mean, our, our focus is certainly more on the facial verification if we're thinking about biometrics, because from a government servicing perspective, I mean, our, our focus is like, do we have the confidence that the person standing in, say, front of one of our, one of our uh, self-service kiosk is actually the person they claim to be? And so I think having an understanding of the factors that come into play is incredibly important. Uh, thinking about, are we using the right facial recognition algorithm? Do we have the right data, data, data privacy security models? Are they, and are they appropriate for this use case and application? And to touch on maybe on the environmental factors a little bit, because I think about our, um, again, going back to our self-service kiosk program, um, in many ways, this is really at the heart of a lot of the complexity in, in biometrics and, and where things might go wrong. And I think about our program where we install kiosk in, in uh, many areas of the community, including grocery stores. And that allows people to interact with DMVs across the, the US and the, in the uh, jurisdictions that we work within. And when you think about the context of a grocery store, lots of environmental factors. Uh, you have lots of people walking in the background. You've got changing lighting conditions, glare, weather, a lot of dynamic factors. And then I just think of this human component. And this is for us like one of the most challenging uh, elements because especially from a government servicing perspective, governments can't choose their customers. So we have to think about how we enable pass for, for everyone. And so we think about individuals that might be visually impaired, wheelchair bound, uh, single parents holding multiple children. That last one, I, I certainly can re resonate with and, and uh, is close to home. Uh, we have three young kids and I just, you know, I find myself holding two kids at once. But when we think about from a servicing perspective, we're including methods, especially like biometrics. Those are the factors that we really need to think through in the implementation. Because if there's a, say, a parent that is holding two children and we need to capture say like a facial biometric to help as part of a workflow to understand are, are they the person they claim to be well now they've got multiple faces in this image so how do we address the privacy risk there 
And how do we ensure that we've got a, an easy, convenient way for that primary person that we need to interact with from a servicing perspective, a way to get through this flow so that we can, uh, we can move forward and let them go along with their day. And I think these are all factors that we need to take into consideration. And when organizations do not have a deliberate process for how they identify these factors and risks and how they think through their approach to account for these, I mean, that I can understand there is there's some justified concern there. And that's really in the I think into the in the challenge of how we use these tools in a meaningful way and, and why it's so important. And, and the last thing I'll just touch on is that and this is kind of going back to our experience in government servicing is that. Anytime that I hear criticism on and concerns around the use of biometrics, I, I like to think of this as an opportunity for us as an ecosystem to be self-reflective and think about, are there opportunities for us to, to look at engagement and awareness? Um, and, and that is a component for any kind of use of biometrics so that we are engaging all the various groups in a way that is communicating the transparency of how we're using biometrics, why, and all the right controls and things and, and the things that are important from a privacy security uh, perspective, as well as just the experience. Um, and I think those are all in, important for the process. Well, there's a lot to unpack right there. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I think one of the things that immediately comes to mind, when you, particularly the, that last part is, we don't talk a lot about the benefit of biometrics because back to that the things you have versus the things you are you know um we know that there's so much information about people available and we that's primarily how we've identified people historically and we know that we have this tool available but that doesn't mean that it is the only tool available so i guess what i need what i'm curious about here if 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 you were talking to somebody who's holding those two kids in front of the kiosk at the grocery store, what benefit does that have to them to have a biometric used to verify they are who they say they are versus a piece of paper, for example? I, which I think uh, it's, a, it's a really great question. I think it really calls out some of the challenges that we have in this space. And part of it is the fact that we, we have methods today that require a lot of data collection and it involves a lot of, you know, backend services and things that we need to pull together to inform an access decision to make some kind of determination. Is this person actually the person they claim to be? And the beauty that I see in biometrics is that we have, we have programs today across every state uh, for the issuance of a physical credential. Uh, for, for drivers or really for, for state IDs um, across the United States. And through that process, we have a repositories of biometric data that can allow someone just to compare their face against that photo on record that I think can really minimize in some ways the need for data collection. I think depending on, you know, kind of the nature of risk and the level of risk, but it creates a really simple approach for being able to compare against a process that is used to establish individuals' identity in the U.S. and largely leveraged today, especially in an in-person context. So when I think about the benefits, I think about one in, in, in the use of biometrics. One is that I, I think there's opportunities to think about how we advance data minimization so that we are not 
introducing scenarios where we're having to collect more and more data about individuals. Not to say that this is the solution to, to solve everything, but certainly I think when you think about our approach for scenarios where we need to understand who this person is, I think there's certainly opportunity there when we think about biometrics. And then I also just think of the simplicity and the overall complexity. Now there, and Apple is a great example of how they looked at biometrics and applied this in a way that made it a, a really convenient uh, process for and, and for solving for a problem. And it made it in a way that that is pretty easy for everyone to understand. And that's where I see the other angle of this is that you've got security and you also have convenience, which has a demonstrated impact on access if you do it the right way. That That was my thought as well, Steve. If we put all that in layman's terms, it's about access and ease. And if you use the example that you used, which I can also relate to as a mother of three and having, you know, uh, three young children and possibly carrying two of them at the same time, um, you know, access, if you have these services available in places where people are, like the grocery store, perhaps it's easier to get to. Perhaps that's where the bus line goes or it's close by and it's in walking distance. And the ease piece is, look, if you're toting around all your kids and then you have to keep track of sensitive documents that you have to supply, it's, you know, you can't leave home without your face. And so that makes it a lot easier for that mom or dad who needs to take care of this issue. And now it's like, okay, I don't have to necessarily bring anything else with me. I just got to bring my face. And I, I think that's an important component. And one that when we explain it like that to folks, it makes a lot of sense. Um, Eva, you know, what, what do you see as a solution to this conflict over biometrics? Maybe conflict may be too strong a term, but at least the differences of opinions that right now you have various camps of everything from we should never use biometrics to other side saying, well, there should be no restriction on biometrics. And then there are you know, uh, groups that are more in the middle with there are practical considerations that we have to address mm -hmm. around privacy, around equity and inclusion. Uh, but what do you, what do you see as a solution to all this? Well, I'm going to sound like such a nonprofit advocate here. It's education in a lot of ways. And I mean, everybody, the, the individuals who quote unquote own the biometrics, the individuals who are using them to provide the services, government who is hopefully going to look at best practices and and on that best practices note, um, we need more conversation and more agreement around what those best practices are. And I think that talking with, you know, Steve made such a good point earlier about, hey, sometimes when people tell you what their concerns are, that's a real opportunity to be, you know, reflective and do some soul searching about are those legitimate concerns and how do I address them? And I, with the education piece, sometimes it's about saying that's not a concern that you need to have because that's not how we're using it. This is a different use case. And here's how we can demonstrate how we're using it. And, you know, as far as the privacy piece and a very, very important component, let's focus on transparency and consent. 
and, and let people know, Hey, if it's consent based, that means that I'm saying, yeah, it's okay. I'm going to take this action and take this picture. And I give you my consent to match that against that known source of truth to make this easier on me. So education, uh, consent and transparency and best practices. So we're going to call it the day right here, Steve. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. And Eva, it is always a pleasure. Yes. Thank you, James. Thank you, Steve. If you want to learn more about the crimes and compromises that impact your identity, privacy, or security, visit our website at idtheftcenter.org. Join us next week for our sister podcast, The Weekly Breach Breakdown, and we'll be back next month with part two of our discussion on the pros and cons of biometrics used to verify someone's identity. Until then, thanks for listening.